Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you very much. Thank you. I love this church. I love your spirit, your face. I love the way you worship God. Uh, it is, there's no pretensions, you know, you just love God and you express it and you love each other. It's a great atmosphere. You may be seated. Thank you so much for making us feel so welcome. Uh, thank you, Pastor. They don't like to be called Pastor so-and-so, but it's my culture. Uh, for Asians, we, we honor the man of God and the woman of God and the leadership. I really thank God for the, for the leadership that stepped up and serving you all just from the hearts. Uh, I, I thank God. I, I mean, raising finances is one of the things that, that resonates within me, you know, because our country, we pay our taxes. Uh, we don't get any any feedback from the government. And so our people are generous. They love God. If God touches your heart, he also touches your wallet sometimes. Many times he should. And uh, the great miracle offering that you guys gave towards your building. So when I go back, I've got about two years to finish the new plot of land that we've been given. Miraculously, we've been given a plot of land. And what's fun is that we get to build it from nothing. Uh, this is our third location, and next door to us is a Buddhist temple. So they will hear us praising God every time. We will hear the bells and the smells because they, they pray to their God. And then the other side is a Taoist temple, and all around us are heathen. And this light shines in the midst of the darkness. Come on, somebody say praise God, man, come on. And I love it because it keeps us young keeps us bold, keeps us on our toes. And I love it because uh, then God can work miracles. And I want to talk about one of the miracles that Jesus did. Uh, it, it's recorded in the Gospel of St. John, the second chapter. Well, I say it's a miracle because it was a miracle, but John records it and he calls it the first sign. You all know what I'm talking about, the wedding at Can Cana. And so let me read from verse 2 onward. On the third day, on the third day of this wedding at Cana in Galilee. You see, let me give you a bit of background here. The Jewish people don't celebrate one day for a wedding. They go seven days because they come from great distances and they have to take annual leave or whatever and they have to rent a place. It goes on for seven days because they can't afford a honeymoon, most of the couples, but they are treated like kings and queens. It's very much like my culture back in Malaysia. We party on, you know. We don't know how to stop until the last person leaves the house. Uh, and so there was this wedding, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was invited. I love it. Jesus was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, mom, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet. I'll come to that in a little while. Why did he say that? My hour is not yet. And that's why John writes down that it's the first sign. His mother simply says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I'll come back to that as well. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding about 20 or 30 gallons of water. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. How much? 
to the brim. All right. And he said to them, now draw some of it out, take it to the master of the feast. And when they took it, the master of the feast tasted the water that is now become wine and did not know where it came from. Although the servants had drawn the water, they knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves a good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine is served. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So I'm thinking now from the perspective of Mary, the maternal mother of Jesus, uh, she was invited to that wedding. It was her sister's son's wedding. Many theologians believe that it was John the Beloved's wedding. All right, so John was the disciple of Jesus. In fact, he was the only one in the Gospels who wrote very descriptively of the miracle. You don't find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So John often never refers to himself in the Gospel. He always refers himself as the disciple who loved Jesus and the disciple whom Jesus loved or one of the disciples. He never addresses himself. So they believe that he, he could have been the one it was his wedding, and so he invited Jesus, he invited the disciples. Mary was also related to Salome, uh, John's mother. So in, a, in fact, Jesus and John were kind of cousins because these were sisters, and, uh, this, and uh, her son was getting married. So it was the third day, and they were supposed to go through for seven days in an Asian culture, it's a huge embarrassment. It was absolute tragic scandal. People be saying like we took leave to come all the way here. Where are we going to go? The third day, the wine is finished. And uh, it was an embarrassment. And you know, Asians are very face, uh, safe, face conscious. What don't people think? Uh, and Mary got involved because it was her sister's son's wedding. I know I have three daughters and one wife, and when all my daughters got married, oh, they were giddy with excitement. It wasn't even their wedding. It was their sister's wedding, and they were busy bodies. I mean, they were dishing out orders, fussing over everything. That's how I'm, I want you to, to, to just let your imagination flow along with the story. Is that okay? I want you to just, just relax and just imagine if you were in the family and if this happened in your family. It was called the first sign, not a miracle, in John's gospel because it was a messianic, prophetic sign that this was the Messiah who was about to come. And I, that, that is so fantastic. But I, but I also can imagine that, uh, you know, how Mary felt. Uh, allow me to have some comedic injection here and just to... Imagine with me, it is not in the Bible at all, but just imagine, Mary was the maternal mother of Jesus, brought him up till the age of 30. He's now a young man. I'm sure she had seen some strange things happening at home. Otherwise, why would she go to Jesus and say, they have no wine? He was not running a Dan Murphy's. He was not having a vineyard. Uh, Jesus they have no wine. Why did she ask him that? Maybe, just maybe, I like to think 
you know, as uh, Ross said, I'm very cheeky. You know, I like to think that maybe at home there were some miracles, like all his cousins had come and there would be a family gathering and they were having a picnic by the river and Mary would go, Jesus, Jesus, get down into the water, will you, and swim with your cousins instead of... I just imagine, I, I, there's nothing in Scripture... Uh, you know, I can just imagine Jesus at home doing his studies and doing his homework. And Mary goes, Jesus, uh, we're having some relatives coming over and we've finished. There's no more flour in the cupboard. Mom, I've got to do this assignment. I've got to hand it up tomorrow. But we have no flour. Would you go to town to get some? Oh. Mom, would you just look at the other side of the cupboard in the other jar? And Mary goes... I just don't know. These were signs. If not, I'm thinking, why did Mary ask Jesus and tell Jesus her problem? Women like to say things, you know. Uh, they, they won't say it outrightly. Like, like my wife, you know, when she sees the garden, it's a bit uh, rough. She will say, oh, don't the plants look very dry? I mean... Just come out straight and say, don't, Joe, would you go water the plants or something? They are drying up. Now, women will say things and leave you to guess what they are saying. Jesus, we had no, they have no wine. Mom, what is that to me? My hour to reveal who I really am is not yet. And with that, the miracle begins to happen. And Mary simply turns to the servant like any mother, whatever he tells you, do it. And that is the key for releasing miracles in our life. It's that simple, folks. Whatever he says, I'm not here to pick a fight with you, whether tithing is lib uh, biblical in the New Testament, I'm not, I'm not here to pick a fight with anyone. But if God said it and it's clear in Scripture, whatever He says, do it. So I preach about giving to God and giving your best to God. And, but I don't want to get into a fight with, with other people. Well, how many percent is it? Or is that Old Testament? I'm just saying that whatever God tells you, just do it. Because He wants, His desire is that you will prosper and that you will overflow, and that you will be blessed. Whatever he says, the key to miracles, if you're not seeing miracles in your life, I would just want to ask you and challenge you today. Maybe God is saying something to you. It's very simple. Just do it. Just go home. It might be a phone call that you have to make, a visit to someone, a commitment to your church and to the, the things that they have been dishing out towards you, just whatever, whatever he says, forgive someone, apologize, oh, this is a tough one, apologize to your wife or husband, whatever, whatever, you want to keep that marriage going, guys, you don't want to be another statistic, so whatever, it's very simple, whatever he says, do it. Number one, I want to, just want to say to you, obedience is measurable, it can be measured. Because they filled up, they could have filled up the water pot halfway. And they would have got half the miracle. But they filled it 
to the brim. And that's where you came in and in the name of Jesus with your generosity, you didn't just put in a little bit of tips in the offering when you were, when you were challenged that you were going to build a new facility. You gave your best and God will do the rest. And so simply Jesus said, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. It's not talking about money, folks. I know all of us come from different, you know, backgrounds. We, we earn different wages. It's not about the amount. But it's a heart that says, whatever he says, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to trust him because that's what works in miracles. So obedience can be measured. If you tell your kid, you know, go make up your room, you can tell whether they did it in three minutes or 30 minutes. You can see the results of your children's uh, exam results, whether they did study that many hours or they just skipped through. So obedience can be measured. And God wants, to, uh, wants you and I to obey him and simply do whatever he has told us to do. Pray about it. Yes, by all means. But obey. Don't use the excuse of, well, I'm praying about it. I I want God to talk to me about this. Now, just, just do it and see what God can do in your life. You know, in a country like Malaysia, where there's a huge challenge, you, saw, you, you see the Indians, I know this being recorded. It's okay. Uh, my country has heard me say this before. The Indians and the Chinese, who are non-Muslims, are uh, viewed as a minority. Uh, and so we, we don't have um, handouts and privileges like the others do. But yet for us to prosper and to do well and to be the head and not the tail and to lend and not borrow, it, this is not a boastful thing. We have to work hard, of course, for Christians. We don't just pray, oh, thank God, I've got a roof over my head. Uh, I've got food on my table. Thank God, I've got shoes on my feet. I thank God I've got a place to stay. Well, non-Christians even have that. A Christian were to say, I thank God I got a roof over my head that is big enough to house other people because I'm blessed to be a blessing. I thank God that I got food on my table to house and help people who don't have food. The, the Christian's life should be larger and should be bolder and more boisterous. Somebody say amen. Amen. I tell you what, your church is a great church. You bring out the best from all of us who are your guest speakers and I Really appreciate that. So, number one, obedience is measurable. Number two, obedience is exciting. This was six big pots, ceremonial pots for the washing, for the washing of the hands and the face that the Jewish people do. In my Muslim culture, we do the same. And they were just ceremonial, dead religion, you know, ritual Nobody stayed by those water pots. They walked by until Jesus turned that water into wine. Fill it up to the brim. And now the wine was so satisfying. And guys were not hanging out in the other side of the, the, the party place. They were all hanging out by the pots. I mean, they were just enjoying themselves and the party was going on. You know, how when people have a couple of drinks, they put their hands around each other. I love you so much, John. You throw a great party. Where did you get these pots? Can I get these pots as well? They are fantastic. And 
People were hanging out around the pots, and I tell you, that's what, when God comes into our life, he makes a change. He doesn't want us to be starchy and religious and to try to please God with our own righteousness, with our own piousness, piety, and it impresses God. No, Jesus did it all. When he died for us, he forgave our sins unconditionally. However, however, he expects us to respond to what he has done. And it's called obedience. So whatever he says, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to, well, he did it all. I don't do anything. So I challenge the people in my country. Well, you've got things to do that God wants you to do. Do it. So you've got to work on your marriage. I talk to them that way. You've got to work at being a dad. You've got to work at being... It's so important today because there are so many absentees, absentees fathers and uh, guys who are just abandoning their home and their marriage. And so for the child of God, it, it's tough work. But I said, guys, guys, I need you to be men so that your sons will follow your example. Yo, so God expects us to be obedient. Number three, obedience is the key to your heart's desire. You know, the enemy for a long time has lied. I know in Christianity, some people have taken this thing about the blessing of God, you know, just name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I know there's been an extreme in that. But please remember that it is God's desire to bless you so that you can be a blessing. No apology for, for me saying that. I say that because I've got refugees in our country and in our congregation from Myanmar uh, and from Pakistan, persecuted. And somehow they made it to the shores in Malaysia. And we love them unconditionally. We embrace them. We, we, we shelter them. We demonstrate our love visibly. But I'll always say to them, you have to get a job while you're here. You have to get a life. I don't want you to, to think that Malaysia is your, your escape from problems. Even in Malaysia, you will have problems. And from here, you might be given a chance to go to Canada or whatever. You, you, you apply that discipline that you want to see happening in the other country. Don't just sit down and wait for handouts. Don't be blaming the government. Don't be blaming the other races for not being friendly with you. You are a child of God. You say you're born again. You're born of the Spirit of God. You live a life that is of a higher standard. So we say to them, God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to, God wants to, 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 to see his miracles happening. Imagine the first miracle. The first miracle that Jesus did is not healing someone. It's not opening the eyes of the blind, although he did all of that. But the first miracle that Jesus did was saving a family from embarrassment. And I don't know if you are out here today or you're watching online, if you are facing some kind of embarrassment, of shame, of hurt in your life. This morning even we prayed for, for some wonderful men, grown men, tears streaming down. The I know the pain. I've always been a champion for the men and, of course, for the women and children in our church. But I feel it when men are vulnerable, when they say, I need God, man. This is, this is breaking me down. And they are big. 
bulky men, but honest enough to be vulnerable in the presence of God. God wants to bless your family so tremendously. Jesus hung on the cross to bleed and die slowly for three hours because he cared enough for not only your salvation in heaven, but he cared enough to take our burden of sin and guilt and judgment that we all face, that we were, we were held captive by the enemy. Jesus said, enough of that. I've given my life for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be the head. I want you to have focus. I want you to have leadership. I want you to succeed. And so the first miracle, he just turned water into wine. I know some people get embarrassed about preaching this subject because wine is a problem in many countries. But wine made from heaven is <laughs> a blessing from God. God wants to turn your ordinary, dull, colorless, plain life into something that is beautiful, satisfying, effervescent, will fill you, your marriage, will heal your family. I'm a firm believer in that. But the devil is a liar, and he wants us to always think that it's wrong for you to desire your kids to be in a better school. It's wrong for you to desire to live in a better housing area. It's wrong for you to drive a better car. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus still turns water into wine. And all, all it takes, the key is whatever he says. Just do it. Okay, Lord. If you give God the opportunity, God will turn it into a miracle. That's all it takes. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, Psalms 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. When you give God the opportunity, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Sal and I make no apology for where we are in Malaysia. Served the Lord for 45 years. We've had our ups and our downs. We had to educate our children. And we always, with, with what limited you know, salary we had, we wanted the best for the girls. And when they got married, whatever we had, we wanted to give the best for our girls. And now our grandchildren are here, we will give the best for our grandchildren. And the best thing I think that I can ever do is that to make sure that our children delight themselves in the Lord. Because then He will grant them the desires of their heart. So if you think that your sickness or your problems are there to be permanent. I want you to know that Jesus' death and resurrection, you took communion just now, his bountiful mercies are always towards you. His face shines upon you. We sing a song back in our church, and I'm sure here as well. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, upon your children and your children's children and to the other generations. That blessing will continue to flow. The enemy cannot stop you. The enemy cannot defeat you. Whatever curses he has put on you, traditional curses, whatever bondage, those ceremonial pots were there to remind them, we, you, have to, to, you have to obey the laws and you can never finish obeying the law because there are so many laws when if you break one law, you've broken them all. But Jesus comes and he turns water 
on that same ceremonial pot, he turns water into very satisfying life. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and you're watching online or you're here on site, and you never trusted him because you never felt that you needed a savior, you needed a physician, he is your counselor, he is your deliverer, he will fight battles for you when you know you have no strength anymore to fight. He will step up as your champion. He'll give you courage to be as bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flees when no man pursues them. Again and again, we, Sal and I have been offered since we were young to run away from Malaysia. We were offered churches in the UK and also in Australia. And today, two of our daughters are living in Australia. Papa, mommy, come to Australia. Enough. Enough of what's happening. I say, they haven't seen the best of us yet. This is not an arrogant statement. Because my God still turns water into wine. And there are people that need to come to know Jesus Christ. And so, our lives is not that we, are, uh, we want to be pastors, but it's a call. It's, it's, it's also our joy. It's a great joy. I never had a call from God. I never heard a voice from God. I simply volunteered. I love you enough, Jesus. You did so much for me. I cannot fathom it. I was a Hindu. I was a lost kid. I was a wild kid out of a family of 11. And then I just came to know Jesus, just gave my life to him. Stella was the same. She comes from a Buddhist family. And today we are both serving God. And we were honored to say that we led our parents to the Lord. My father was a raving Hindu. And he gave his life to Jesus. And I baptized my own dad. And all my brothers and sisters, my ten brothers and sisters, I'm number 11. And all came to know Jesus Christ by the grace of God. I tell you, Jesus is real. He is bountiful in his blessing. There are times I walk by faith. I don't see the miracles that I want to see. But it makes it very exciting because just around another corner, he's waiting for me. And he's saying, come on, son. Come on, I want you to grow up. If you're going to be ruling over angels, the Bible says, if you're going to be ruling over the planetary system, I want you to grow up. Whatever you are going through, stop being a crybaby. Stop sitting in the corner, sucking your thumb and being in a fetal position and saying, oh, why me? Why does this happen to me? I tell you, there are people that are worse off than many of us. When I look at those refugees coming into our country, when I look at them, I, my heart goes out to them, you know, because they, are, they, don't, they don't know how to smile. Uh, they don't know how to, you know, lit, or, uh, even enjoy a joke. Uh, they just are fearful. So when we reach out to them and hug them, you, it's like hugging a tree trunk. They, why is he doing that? Because we love you, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to help you, man. Relax, relax. You're not a Taliban. You, you're, you're a born-again Christian. Hey, you're in church. This church was made for people like you. Welcome to the family of God. It's not made for good people without any problems. It's made for problematic people like you. That's, that's why you're building the other center. That's why we are building our third facility. Next door. To our Buddhist friends, I love the challenge because Jesus still is a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. 
Jesus did that miracle even though the people at that wedding did not recognize who he was. The Bible says it was the first sight. They didn't know this was the Messiah. Maybe Mary knew a little bit. She went to the temple with Jesus when he was a boy. And Simeon the priest prophesied over her and said, this is the man. This is, this is the Messiah. But Miriam, your soul is going to be pierced because he's going to die. Mary's experience of Jesus can be your experience and mine. He will work on your family and your job, on your health, on your marriage, and on your family. But the only thing that made the start of the miracles was Mary's response. I can just imagine the mother going to the servants like a typical mother. Whatever he says, do it. And looking to Jesus, she goes. And that was the start of miracles. If you've not had miracles in your life, the greatest miracle that you can ever experience the starting of all miracles is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Receiving Him as your Messiah by faith, not seeing anything, trusting Him, trusting your life into His hands that He died and bore your sin and my sin, everybody's sin, the sins of the whole world. Bible says it's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Sin issue has been removed. Did you know that? The whole world. Appropriating that forgiveness is a choice you have to make and I had to make many years ago. You have to make that choice. You have to say, Lord, I receive you now and the forgiveness of my sin. As my Lord and my Savior, as my boss, as my God, I receive you into my life. And let the miracles start flowing in your life. How many of you would like to see a miracle happening in your life? Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a job issue. You know, maybe it's a marriage issue. Put your hands up. Don't be shy. Yeah, just put your hand up. It might be a fair. All of us are needy people, yeah? Jesus came to, 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 he came for us. You know, he came for us. And he wants to get on your case if you will let him. Obedience is measurable. It's exciting. It's fun. The adventure with Jesus on earth as my Lord and Savior. You know, in Malaysia, because we have been there uh, quite long, I'm 47 this I'm sorry, I'm 47. I'm 67 this year. <laughs> We're married 45. Yeah. 67 years. July the 1st, I turned 67. And uh, Mark and Ross bought me this T-shirt. Nice little T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, they celebrated our birthday together. And people say, uh, those who know my past and my background, said, you enjoy what you're doing. Heck, I am. Of course I am. I won't be doing it if, if this wasn't enjoyable, man. I tell you, I'm not stupid. I won't be being a Christian so boring because we can't do this and we can't do that. Man, the Christian life is so exciting. 
And I want my children to grow up loving God, not because mommy and daddy are pastors, but because they themselves personally love God. And so my three daughters are married, and they've got children now, and they love God. And we love each other. We love family times. Do we have problems? Yes. Do we have big trials and testing? Yes. Health issues goes along with life. But loving Jesus is the best. So if you have not received Jesus Christ into your life, may I invite you online and on site to just bow your heads in prayer. And let me pray with you. And you yourself, open your heart and invite Jesus into your heart. Would you do that, please? I urge you, Paul says, I urge you, I plead with you that you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. He says, give up, give it up. Surrender yourself to God. Paul says, I urge you, he was speaking to, to people in his time in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you. So I urge you too today, whoever you are, whatever your background might be, whatever your gender might be, whatever your social standing might be, to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I receive you now into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. Heal my life. Some of you, you might be more specific about your need for healing. It might be an emotional trauma. You've been battered badly and, and the scars are there. And I want to pray with you right now. In Jesus' name, heal their emotional scars. You bore our sorrow, the sorrow that cannot be treated even through therapy. You are our counselor, our physician, our psychologist. You are everything to these people. Heal them right now, dear God. For those that are struggling in pain, loneliness, how can you ever say you are lonely? Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we thank you. We appropriate all these things into our lives. We thank you, God, and we give ourselves to you in Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, for many of us, I pray you will turn their water into wine. We thank you for delivering us from religion. And, and, and it's, it's uh, the rituals. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us completely and totally free. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to me. God bless you. It's a great privilege, great honor to speak to wonderful people in Macquarie. I can just imagine you thinking of new things as the years go by for the children and their children. Wonderful. I love it. In Jesus' name. Do also remember to pray for us in Malaysia. Would you do that when you have your prayer meetings or your devotion? Just remember this black face that you are seeing right now with the shiny white teeth. Just remember John Stella in Malaysia and do pray for us. We want to go on doing the things that God has called us to. Thank you once again, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.